If there's one politician that Scott Morrison really did not want in his government or in the parliament when he was there, it was the federal member for Dawson based in Mackay, George Christensen. Well, George granted him his wish that no other prime minister or leftist campaigner, but I repeat myself, could ever accomplish with their own power. Election after election, he continued to increase his margin, increase his lead over all comers who went against him, even with concerted campaigns from the Greens, the Teals and Get Up. But again, I repeat myself, he increased his margin every single time. Well, he voluntarily chose to leave politics, uh, or at least the federal parliament, at the last federal election. And since then, he's been campaigning furiously to a very large audience uh, via email newsletters daily. Well, there's also a new chapter in George Christensen's campaign and activism. Uh, I'm sitting down with him right now, and in this episode, we're going to talk about George's latest uh, political life in activism and how that can help us to be better represented as culture changers, influencers, and activists in the Australian political landscape. All that and more, we'll be getting into minor parties and the current issues facing Australia that uh, we can be engaged in in this episode of The Church and State Show. I'm Dave Pello. May all that you stand for and that we stand for be preserved under the providence of God for the happiness of mankind. The trouble is caused by unthinking people who carelessly throw away ageless ideals as if they were old and outworn machinery. But it is the values of individual liberty, equality before the law and the supremacy of people over the state to which we can always with confidence return as a powerful and uniting force. Australia is not a secular country, it is a free country. Well, it's my pleasure to be joined today on the Church and State Show by the former federal member for Dawson, many, many times returned popularly. Uh, George Christensen, welcome to the show. Thanks very much, Dave. Great to be here. Now, it was great to catch up with you again at the Friedman Conference in Sydney this past weekend. Uh, and I enjoyed what you had to say about minor parties there with Craig Kelly uh, and, um, and others. And uh, I think the first and important thing to do, if people haven't heard, is uh, to tell them about your new role with the campaign organisation, Citizen Go. Tell us what's new. Well, thanks for that. Uh, as you know, uh, I've been, uh, since I wasn't returned to the parliament uh, of the unsuccessful tilt uh, for the Senate election last year, I've been running a newsletter called Nation First, which you mentioned earlier, uh, and also been uh, doing a bit of in the news aggregation sort of space with uh, a project I call Eureka Free Press. Those things are still ongoing, uh, but I have taken up a role recently as the national campaign director uh, for Australia for uh, an organisation called Citizen Go. Now, they're a very well-known organisation, perhaps not so well-known in Australia. We know our Australian Christian Lobby, we know Family Voice Australia, we know Advance Australia, but Citizen Go has probably played uh, a little bit of a uh, lower key role. Uh, I'm determined to change that around a bit. Uh, Citizen Go is an organisation that operates in 50 different countries all around the world to uh, a great great effect actually in a lot of other countries. Uh, it is all about defending and promoting three key core 
values, and that is the value of life, the value of family, and the value of freedom. So that's what we're all about, life, family, and freedom. And I've got to say that fits in quite well with me because throughout my entire mm. political career, they were the three main things, they were the three fundamentals for me. Sounds you know, like everything that brings out get, get up members in hives. <laughs> well, actually, it's funny you say that because uh, whether it's get up in Australia or whether it's move on or a vase, um, all of these organisations are really the one and the same. They're all funded and essentially sent their writing orders by uh, the Soros Open Network Society and, uh, you know, that, that sort of big left money. Uh, mm -hmm. And so uh, really Citizen Go tries to run uh, or, or play offence against the, those guys. And, uh, you know, I just said plays offence. Actually, that's how we play it. Uh, this is a take no prisoners approach. Very front-footed. It, it is. This is all about... Uh, uh, offensive action in the real real use of the word offence to actually strategic, strategic offence to try yeah. and and actually um, make a change. It's uh, what the not Americans would call no, so. yeah, definitely not. <laughs> Although we want to overturn that, so uh, yeah, yeah. you know uh, that's all about freedom and free speech. But um, we, we we really do try and play what the Americans would call smash mouth politics because playing nicely from our point of view has never gotten us anywhere. We can yep. go and talk to all the politicians about all the things we want and then at the end of the day, just, they just go and reject all that anyway and do their own thing. So, yep. you know, it's time that some of these politicians feel a bit of pain where it matters to them. Pain in their donations, uh, pain in their public support, pain to their reputational, uh, uh, their, their, their reputation. So that's what we uh, aim to do, um, you know, there's been a slow start, I think, to Citizen Go's presence here. So yeah, we yeah. sort of still have to crawl a little bit before we walk and before we run. But we will get to that point very quickly. Since I've taken over, which has been two months now, uh, we've got a, a list and we've almost doubled the list. So, uh, you know, that's a pretty good start. They'd have to be pretty happy with that. Uh, look, they, they are. Uh, but I've got to say that I've got a lot of people behind me that have been doing the job in other countries for a long while. So it's great to be able to, you know, reach in and grab some of that corporate knowledge, that understanding of, of what you've got to do to make a political campaign successful. Yep. And that's the big thing. We're not just about doing a petition for the sake of doing a petition and collecting signatures. You know, we're not about, you know, donations, although we obviously do need donations. What the fundamental thing is that we want to see change. We want to see change for the betterment of life, family and freedom. Life, family, and freedom. Love it. Um, so what in those categories are the big fights that Citizen Go is helping direct energy to in Australia right now? Life, yeah. family, and freedom. Well, uh, in fact, there's three issues that have uh, recently come to our attention. We've, uh, we've um, you know, gone on the offensive. Uh, one of them is the life. Uh, it's one of our main mantras. In fact, that's a pro-life organisation was what Citizen Go originally was. Okay. Um, so it's it's spawned out of that. We have taken on uh, the ACT government's takeover, forced takeover of Calvary Hospital. That's horrifying. That, that clearly is uh, an attack on life, but it's an also an attack on freedom. It's an attack on property rights because you're you're effectively. I mean, yes, of course, the state can, in certain circumstances, we must accept for the betterment of the overall society um, come in and acquire a property with just compensation. That's what we have in our constitution. 
But in this instance, you're replacing a hospital with a hospital. With a hospital, you're replacing a Christian Catholic hospital with a state-run hospital. There is no net benefit to the community. So this is just a, a usurpation of, of property rights. Uh, but it also is an offence to uh, religious liberty, and it's also an offence uh, to life because essentially they do not agree with Calvary Hospital's stance when it comes to things like abortion and euthanasia, and they want them running abortion procedures and euthanasia procedures, euthanasia procedures, out of that hospital, and that's what will happen now. Yep. Um, sadly to say, uh, we weren't successful, and there are other people that obviously the Catholic Church was in on that fight as well. And, uh, and also the Australian Christian Lobby, Family Voice Australia, myriad of different organisations were trying to campaign. The ACT government's unicameral, isn't it? The it is, it is. It runs more like a local government, actually. So, so it's pretty much the same as Queensland. Uh -huh. There's no check and balance. When you elect that government, they essentially have a blank check via majority in a single house of parliament uh, for the term of their election. It's, it's elected an elected dicta dictatorship. dictatorship. That's indeed what it is. So I... I I haven't heard a lot of people arguing Section 51. Yeah. Section 51 uh, is properly understood as the non-medical conscription clause of the Constitution. And it, mm. it actually doesn't talk about medical treatments. It does talk about nationalising mm. uh, health providers. And, and the, the context for this being added to our constitution was, I believe, in the 50s with Robert Menzies. And at that time, the exact same thing was happening in England. The National Health Service was being created by the nationalisation of doctors and dentists in England and, and nurses. And, and they were conscripting doctors, nurses and dentists to the national service away from private provision of these medical services and so section 51 says the commonwealth may not conscript these medical professionals to the to the nation's um, service uh, and there's been lots of debate and little testing of those things mm. with medicare and, and other such things but it's very clear that this is a violation of section 51 now the only way i can see them wriggling out of this in a high court challenge is that they're not the commonwealth doing this yeah. but the territory Yet I'm not sure that the Territory being under Commonwealth auspices isn't still on the hook. Yeah, they could be. They very well could be. I mean, look, it becomes a legal argument. Uh, it's a very good point that you raise. Um, territories don't have the same um, complete and utter autonomy, uh, constitutional independence from the Commonwealth as a state. Uh, so, you know, uh, in fact, the Commonwealth could have in this instance, the Prime Minister could have come out and said, we're against it, we're not going to allow it, and uh, pass re legislation. Um, he could it have smacks just, of pure partisan yeah, bias. Yeah, he could have just picked up not the justice. phone, in fact, and it probably would have been all over, but uh, mm. he, Anthony Albanese didn't do that. Um, well, he's so, a communist. So, so, so yeah, well, he, he, he certainly wears his socialist colours on his sleeve, and in this instance, um, he just let it happen, uh, which is very, very sad. So I actually thought that... Uh, yeah, people would have expected more of Anthony Albanese in this and you know you're right he has shown his true colours he wasn't willing to act in protection of private property he wasn't willing to act in protection of, of, of religious liberty or in protection of life. As they say so, silence was yeah. the deafening reply. Well uh, more than that uh, they pretty much come out and gave the thumbs up that, mm. that, that this needed to happen for the 
better provision of health services in the ACT when just about every independent commentator would say that the provision of health services has been tremendously better under Calvary than it is uh, under the state-run service. Private in, uh, enterprise services, imagine that being better than yeah, bureaucracy. Yeah. And so, um, <laughs> you know, uh, uh, but the, the, to get back to the legal question, that really is something that the Catholic Church is going to have to explore. I hope they do yeah. go further with it. Uh, uh, but at the moment, they've, they've torn down the cross that, that was on the front of that church. Within I mean, hours. That, that is uh, such a symbolic thing. I mean, they have ripped down the cross. They have ripped the Christian ethos out of that hospital. And now it will be placed with the zeitgeist of the times, which is all about uh, the I culture to, of death, abortion and euthanasia. I have to say the, the picture of the ACT government tearing down crosses is identical to what the CCP does in China. Yeah, well, there you go. They didn't have to remove that cross. They could have left it up there for historical purposes, but it's interesting that they chose to do that. So, um, and it speaks volumes actually that they did do it. That was the intent. The intent was to take the Christian ethos out of Calvary Hospital and to replace it with the state's ethos. And the state's ethos is completely and utterly in favour of the provision of abortion services, euthanasia services. In fact, they said it themselves in a Greens and Labor run uh, parliamentary inquiry in the ACT Parliament, uh, if you can call it that, that the ACT legislature. Um, they actually uh, looked into the provision of abortion services throughout Canberra and uh, the one thing that, that uh, well, one of the things that that report that, that they did uh, from that inquiry said was that uh, Calvary Hospital was problematic. It was problematic because of its adherence to a religious ideology that wasn't in favour of abortion. So that come, that come out just a few months ago, and next thing we have the, the forced takeover of the hospital. Well, you know, I can add up one and one equals two, and in this instance, it definitely did. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, let's talk about uh, freedom when it comes to the uh, radical proposal being put by the Albanese government right now uh, to give the Australian Communications and Media Authority uh, the permission to police thought yeah. in Australia. Well, I'm glad you raised it because it is one of the issues right now that we're campaigning on and with vigour. Um, you know, whereas uh, we didn't win this uh, fight on the Calvary Hospital, um, this is a fight that we absolutely need to win. I mean, we might have given, we, we, uh, just on the Calvary thing, we run a full page ad in the Catholic Weekly uh, that really was sticking it to Anthony Albanese on this. So while we didn't win, we, we try to give a, you know, a, a blood nose to someone. In this instance, uh, it's not just blood nose, blood nose, black eyes, everything else. If we lose this fight, uh, which is this misinformation and disinformation bill, then our democracy is harmed, probably irreparably, because we know when the LNP gets back into office, they never ever go the full hog and, and just uh, repeal stuff and get it back to the what it was beforehand. They always just tinker around the edges. Oh, well, we'll do this, we'll do that, and we won't fix it. You know, so we need to stop this from the get-go. This has got the approval of the bureaucrats. This has got the approval of outfits like the World Economic Forum and the United Nations that just want uh, all uh, non-narrative commentary just stopped. And so it's interesting when you delve into this bill, this misinformation and disinformation bill. I mean, firstly, well, here's an interesting thing. Uh, the day 
it's just such a funny coincidence. The day that the government announces uh, that they've got this bill and they call for public commentary, guess what day it was? It was George Orwell's birthday, and you wow. couldn't have picked a, a better bit of uh, coincidence, that. a better bit of serendipity. It's, it's just hilarious. Uh, and he would be turning in his grave because, you know, here is the government <laughs> Guys, trying to, to set you. up this 1984-style Ministry of Truth. They're trying to make the Australian Communications and Media Authority this Ministry of Truth that is going to determine what is false, uh, what is misinformation, what is disinformation and what's not. And then more than that, they have to go one step further. Is it misinformation or disinformation that causes harm? Now go into the definitions of harm in the bill. Interesting, number one straight up, is anything that inspires hatred or, or is hateful. Now that's an interesting term because who determines again what the hell is hateful? Well, I hate um, pedophiles. Yeah, well, uh, I hate a lot of things, but I'm not going to stop the commentary on those things. Mm. You know, uh, uh, the, hate, hate is in the eye of the beholder. And so to me, this sounds like the word offence. Does it cause you offence? And of course, it's offence against any group in the community. Again, collective rights rather than individual rights. Any group in the community that uh, where the offence or the hatred is on the basis of gender, a basis of race. Of course, we already have that in law anyway. It doesn't need to be a second law. Um, we have um, sexual orientation. So immediately we're going to the LGBTIQ movement and the whole transgender issue. The question is, is the government now going to be censoring anyone who goes online and writes that a man can't be a woman, a biological fact? Um, you know, perhaps they are. Perhaps that's what, what's the intention here. There's a whole lot of biology uh, textbooks which are going to have to be burned. <laughs> if they're online. If they're online, that's the crazy thing. It can be in print, but it can't be online. Really? Uh, so, so, so uh, but, but, but that is because uh, what is done online is as democratised uh, pub, uh, That's where the threat comes from. Yeah. There's, there's <laughs> That's so where many... the, the threat to lies, propaganda and state dictatorships comes from the democratisation of information. Indeed, because it's easy for anyone to have a platform uh, and therefore the government feels that they need to censor this, they need to stop it because, mm. no, 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 uh, what's published needs to be under control. And I'll get onto that in a minute. But just on the definitions of hate, so they've got that one, They've got the other one, harm against the environment. Harm against the environment. Now, I don't know, Dave, there's many things that I could say online. I'm just not <laughs> sure that I'm going to hurt any endangered species or any uh, flora. You know, it's very weird. What do they mean by that? Well, I think I know what George Christensen spoke, sea levels went yeah. up. <laughs> George Christensen spoke, suddenly there's a plague that went through all the koalas. I mean, it's just nonsense. But what they do mean is... <laughs> If you say anything that is against climate change, Blind Freddy can see that coming. Yeah, the that, narrative. You know, it, it, this is all about the narrative. And then, of course, we've been through the past two years of a whole heap of COVID misinformation from the authorities, mm. uh, where things that us uh, so-called anti-vaxxers or, uh, or, or, or COVID deniers or whatever they like to call that, the crowd that were very sceptical of everything the government was saying about COVID and everything the media was telling us, we, there were several things that we were saying that turned out to be true, you know, uh, about transmission and things like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, so <laughs> here's one of these clauses on, on the issue of harm. Now, I don't know if I've ever spoken and suddenly a whole heap of people have caught, caught leprosy, so I'm not mm -hmm. sure how things can actually be harmful to the health of Australians, but 
again, I read the tea leaves. This is what they're saying is that uh, if you say anything in the context of a pandemic or something like that, that is against the official narrative, you will be censored. I think they're doing this very cleverly. They're circumventing a constitution. A constitution is unlike the American constitution where they have you know, the, the, the First Amendment, yeah. uh, the right to free speech, uh, but we have what they call this implied political right or implied right of political communication in our constitution, um, which is sort of like a free speech clause. The problem is that it's not as strong as the US model. But indeed, what the government's trying to do is get around that by not censoring us directly, but by finding big tech and other data providers, other internet providers, if they don't do something to us, if they don't censor us, if they don't have policies in place which can censor us from saying those things, then they will be fined. So it's sort of getting around it, you see. Um, and, and I'm sure that you know some so smarties have concocted So to your this. reading of the legislation or your knowledge of it, yes. are you able to put things on your privately hosted private website which would trigger these bills if on big tech? Yeah, look, it's an interesting thing because uh, any data provider can be uh, can, can be subject to this law. So in effect, um, we all going to have to have private server farms. Uh, well, I think that you would you would even probably be in trouble then because you are the provider. So uh, I don't know how far it's going to reach. It, it really will depend on uh, on ACMA and what they do and what the final legislation looks like. But at the moment, of course, it's definitely uh, outfits like Facebook and Instagram and YouTube and uh, and Twitter that are in their sites. Uh, but it's not just that. Any podcast provider, um, you know, and it says data services. So whether that's, you know, the hosting or whatever, I'm not wow. sure. It's very, very scary. Very, very Orwellian. And to get back to your point earlier, I mean, there's two groups that have been exempted. And this is hilarious. Of course. One is the government. Of course. Um, so the government can say as much misinformation and disinformation as it wants. Uh, without any recourse, um, and and it, it's it's hilarious they've given these exemptions. But the second one is the media. Now you might say, okay, well everyone can just declare themselves a journalist, and you could do that. But there's a little thing they've said that they have to be subject to a code of conduct or something like a, a code of conduct of professional standards, and they name the sort of code of conducts that are out there for the media. So I think that if you want to become a commentator that can get away with this, declare yourself a journalist and uh, set up your own code of conduct and uh, away we can go. But, uh, uh, you know, the, the reality is what the government's done here is essentially admit that government and media from time to time engage in misinformation and disinformation and so they're exempting them completely from this bill. Now, now this is, uh, for the viewer, I, I don't think I could exaggerate and overstate the malevolence of this proposed legislation. It really requires a concerted pushback from us. Go to Citizen Go and follow whatever actions you can there to participate in the petitions and the protests that are there. But find ways to contact your local federal member and complain about this as well. This is the thread which, if pulled, will unravel the entire tapestry of democracy freedom of speech is absolutely foundational uh, to, to the entire house of democracy. Uh, if you undo this, it is basically giving a, 
a blank check to the government to create a single state media where you have uh, flagrant communists like Jacinda Ardern who says that her government, the government, should be the only source of truth, which of course is, is going to be fully biased and one-sided. It removes the entire point of oppositional uh, confrontational democracy where we argue and we test ideas and we come up with the best. Unless you can say bad and wrong ideas which are then tested, you have no idea if the good ideas which are untested are actually as good as, as the confidence demanded in them. So this is absolutely critical. This is why the American founding fathers put freedom of the press in the First Amendment because they were the anti tyrannical uh, activists. They were the people who hated the excesses and abuses of government. But this is exactly why they put it in the First Amendment, because it was meant to be a check on the abuses and excesses of government, that there shall be a free press, that the right to free press is critical to the future of what they saw as the greatest experiment in democracy ever, of a people that were ready for self-government. They were basically saying we aren't babies anymore, we can think for ourselves and we don't need government telling us what are the approved and unapproved ideas in, in this nation. Well, Australia and all of humanity is exactly the same. We have the maturity and the intellectual capacity to argue and find out things for ourselves. Are we going to get it wrong sometimes? Yes, but that's the cost of freedom. The, the risk uh, to our safety is far less than the risk to our freedom and to the quality of government we have. Tyranny comes in by the silencing of critics and that's exactly what the Albanese government is proposing to do. Remove all resistance to the critics of tyrants. Mm. Absolutely, absolutely. And so people, if they wanna get on board that uh, campaign that we're running against it, as you said, go to our website. You can Google Citizen Go or citizengo.org. You'll find a petition there, hands off online free speech or hands off our free speech. And um, I think already, you know, without too much in the way of promotion, we've probably got up to 15,000 signatures, but we really, and, and every signature Promote is away, going George. This to is, the, this is to, what people want. Yeah. They want the resources to influence culture. Well, well, absolutely. And what we're trying to do is to just lay it all out there so people don't have to do much uh, to actually have their voice heard. The government is currently asking for submissions to this bill. So we have up until about the end of the first week of August, I think it is, to get submissions in. So this petition doubles as a submission. You go up there, you look at what we've written that's against the bill, you can sign it, uh, and then just hit the submit button and bang, it'll end up in the government department's Brilliant. offices that are, uh, uh, that are analyzing the public response to this. So we need an overwhelming outcry that this bill is wrong, this bill should be abandoned. It's wicked. This bill is an affront to freedom of speech. This bill is an affront to democracy. It absolutely so, is. Uh, but that's not where we're going to end. We can't be overstated. It, it, you, you can't right. say this strongly enough. This is really, really treacherous proposal. This is um, the biggest fight I think that we're going to have in this country, uh, probably this year and probably for many years to come actually. Uh, we need to head this, cut this off at the pass. Uh, if we don't, Forget about campaigning on anything that's got any level of controversy about it because you will be silenced. You will be censored. You won't be able to say anything about uh, this transgender fad anymore because it'll be verbo verbotum. Uh, climate change, forget about it. 
anything else that can be deemed as harmful, hatred. I mean, they've even got in the definitions of what's harmful, harm to the general Australian society. I mean, what the hell does that mean? That's as vague as... What the hell does that mean? Yeah. Um, so so it, it is deliberately vague um, because they want this bill to be a catch-all. And here will sit a government-appointed Ministry of the Truth adjudicating whether what you've said is true or not. I don't know how they're going to work that out, but that's what they will do. And then they will adjudicate whether it's harmful to Australian society. Both extremely subjective things. Yeah, so yeah, we need to head it off at the pass. We're not going to finish it just the petition. Uh, we will take this to Canberra and we will make sure every politician knows that if they vote for such a piece of legislation, there will be absolute consequences in their own electorates. The links to that petition are in the show notes beneath. Uh, I'd love to see your comments beneath this video on, on what you think and, and what you think you might be able to do uh, to actually contact, especially non-Labor uh, senators. It's incredibly important that this be stopped in the upper house and utterly rejected. The best possible case would be that the Albanese government fails to do this and changes their mind. And second best would be if they take this again and again and get rejected and we end up with a double dissolution election. The church and state conference in Perth is coming up very, very soon. Uh, places are rapidly selling. So I encourage you to go to the church and state website right now and grab your tickets uh, with uh, the website address churchandstate.com.au. So we've got conference in Perth on the 4th and 5th of August. And then one week later, we're back in Brisbane with a live studio audience event with Senator Malcolm Roberts uh, discussing the big question, who slash what is God? I'd love to see a lot of you there for that live studio audience event. Again, tickets are at the website, churchandstate.com.au. And just two months later, in the first weekend of October, 6th and 7th of October, we'll be in Adelaide for another conference with Senator Ant Alex Antic and so many others that you are going to really, really enjoy there. We're discussing the big issues. We're arming Christians to influence culture. And we're teaching exactly what God's Word says about the big issues that we are debating and facing in society today. Uh, and then in September, uh, we have a very, very special guest uh, coming for the live studio audience event in September here in Brisbane. I can't announce the name just yet, uh, but make sure you go to churchandstate.com.au and subscribe to the email updates so that you can uh, see that there. You'll also get notified of those events if you're subscribed to the weekly uh, notices and updates from GoodSource. That's at goodsource.news. Uh, head to that website for special discount codes. The discount code is beneath uh, the screen right now. If you're watching and if you're listening to this on podcast, head to davepello.com or ADHTV to find the special discount code to give you 20% off those conference events coming up. That website one last time, churchandstate.com.au. George, I found the conversation at the Friedman Conference in Sydney uh, fascinating about and in encouraging actually. There was a, a lot of agreement with uh, yourself John Ruddock and Craig Kelly talking about, um, as I guess representatives of three of the most significant minor parties on the right wing, uh, the Libertarian Party, um, United Australia Party and One Nation, um, the question was essentially, will the minor parties finally merge? Mm. Um, I, I won't preempt the outcome, but 
Uh, tell us your thoughts about that and, and I guess recap the conversation that uh, John and Craig brought as well as yourself. Yeah. Well, look, this is with my Citizen Go hat off and also not with my One Nation hat on because I'm just a financial member. I, no, I don't no have official any, spokesman. Any authority to speak on behalf of Pauline Hanson or One Nation, but I am a member and I am a supporter now. And I think that, uh, you know, when I became a member of One Nation, uh, uh, they weren't the only sort of ship that turned up to the, the port that I was in. Um, I had uh, United Australia Party asking me whether I would join them, the Catters Australia Party asking me whether I, was join, whether I would join them, and indeed the then uh, uh, Liberal Democrats, now the Libertarian Party, and also the Democratic Labor Party. Now, on all of those fronts, um, by and large, I probably agreed with all of their principles, values and policies. Um, there wasn't too many policies that I didn't agree with uh, in each of those parties. Some, but not many. Uh, in fact, there would be more in the LNP that I didn't agree with. Um, really? Yeah, uh, which begs the question why I remained in the LNP for so long. But anyway... Well, uh, <laughs> it's not a silly question. Yeah, but um, it does bring me to the point, though, that given that there are parties with such like-mindedness, why are they all separate? Um, and so it just becomes very difficult, though, to unscramble the egg. And so there needs to be a solution as to how do we ensure that these parties can work together as closely as possible. Now, why this is not a, uh, a solution in search of a problem, there is a big problem. The big problem is if you took up all of the, the right wing, I guess you could call it that, parties that contested the Senate at the last election and you tally up the vote that they've got, I counted about 14%. Someone said it was around 12%. Whether Obviously it's 12, excluding the coalition. Or, yeah, excluding the coalition. So mm. whether it's between 12, whether it's 12%, whether it's 14%, I've got to tell you, whatever the number, that's enough for a senator in each and every state. Um, so can you imagine that? You know, if there was a senator from every state uh, and not just one from Queensland and one from Victoria. But the preferences just didn't party. flow to no, consolidate don't. into a result, did they? And that's the problem, is that... The, the but there was so much education out there about how preferences work. You've got to have a number of factors, I think, at play to ensure that people stick to the script. And one of them is uh, people handing out how to vote cards for the party that they're running for. Now, minor parties struggle to get uh, volunteers out there to hand out all day. The uh, major parties have got a well-oiled machine and they... Uh, they can count on the union movement on the Labor side. Uh, they can count on their party rank and file and also uh, local member of parliament's um, staff and, uh, uh, and, and, and uh, family and friends and, and, and other supporters. So, you know, there's a lot that the major parties have straight up that the minor parties don't. But that, that, that discipline of voting, following a how to vote card um, just isn't there. One, because the how to vote cards sometimes aren't there. And two, I think that there's also something on the right where now we just don't want to listen to what anyone's telling us. We want to do our own thing. And I understand that. I get that. So people just disregard what they're told. Now, um, I voted the, under the line. Uh, the, the, well, there you go. For you. <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> the problem is uh, when we do our own thing uh, and not following the script that gives us, we end up with the results that we, we've gotten, which is... Um, we only got Pauline Hanson across the line in Queensland, and we only got Ralph Babbitt across the line in uh, in Victoria. So Actually, two in all of Australia instead of six. That's right. That's right. And uh, you know, I just want to say though that uh, we didn't just get Pauline Hanson across the line. That was the big myth that was going around that she only squeaked in, 
actually there's six senators elected in Queensland, she come number five out of the six. It was Anthony Chisholm from the Labor Party who scored the number in. six position, just scraped mm. in. And in fact, my only claim to fame is that I got more below the line votes than he did, so uh, <laughs> there you go. Um, but anyway, uh, uh, you know, Hanson's in, Babbitt's in, they joined obviously uh, Malcolm Roberts, uh, who's up again next time, and they join uh, other people who, that have, um, that are like-minded but are in the major uh, Conservative Party, people like um, Senator Alex Antic, Senator Jared Rennick, who yep. unfortunately has just been speared by the LNP, Senator Matt Canavan. I think these are like minds uh, that, um, uh, that, that can be relied upon. So they're not completely written off, but it's few and far between, right? So we know the problem. Yes. There's a whole lot of conservative right wing, right of centre, uh, minor party voters, yes. and they failed to uh, result in a representative uh, number of, of senators elected, which is really where we can hold the government of either colour mm -hmm. uh, to a, a reasonable limit. Um, if we can populate those crossbenches with consecutive elections, we might end up with 12 yes. uh, freedom senators on, on the crossbenches, which, is, which would be a fantastic result yep. for Australia. That is a short-term solution. Yes. And the best hope we've got, other than what I advocate for constantly, and that's cultural revolution, cultural reformation, to maybe use a, a more palatable word. So, I mean... I, I guess the obvious thing that everybody's asking for is why don't all these parties merger? Mm. Um, so what was the consensus of the, the, the speech or the panel at the Friedman conference? I think there's two realities. One is that, um, is, is probably the, neg the real negative reality, is that uh, there are personalities at play in each and every one of these parties, very strong personalities. That's not to say anything against them, but you know the question is can one single organisation handle a myriad of strong personalities, it's going to be difficult. But there is another solution other than an outright merger. And the other solution is actually what the Liberal Party and National Party, two separate parties in New South Wales, actually do. They have a joint Senate ticket. So there's nothing that would stop two parties, three parties, four parties, five parties from actually getting together and agreeing that, hey, in the Senate ballot, we are going to all be in the same column. And so this is the order we're going to run them in. And above that column, it'll say One Nation, Liberal Democrats, uh, United Australia Party, Catters Australia Party, and whatever other parties want to join in this combined effort. And so if you wanted to vote, if, you're, if you were one of their traditional voters or you wanted to vote for Catter, you'd put one in that box. If you wanted to vote Pauline, you'd put one in that box. If you wanted to vote for the Lib Dems or Libertarians, you'd put one in that box. Palmy, you'd put one in that box. Whoever it is, that is their box everyone together in the one box and so there would not be any reason for preferences to spray everywhere because it's all the one box yep. so um, that is the solution I think to this dilemma uh, and it's not the solution that I come up with although I did think about it, it was the solution that Craig Kelly announced to the uh, to the audience at the Friedman uh, Libertarian Conference uh, I did say something further. I mean, it could be done either by negotiation or if you wanted to go one step further and work together to an even stronger degree, um, all of those parties could come together and have a joint pre-selection um, for those candidates. And each of those candidates could... That would uh, be amazing fun. ...decide to, um, you know, who's going to be 
what when they go down to Canberra. So. American levels of democratised parties. Yeah, look, uh, that's possible. That's probably all to come later. What we need to do is get to number one, where we're all so on the same I think the, the important part that people need to hear is that, uh, that the proposal was, and we've talked similarly on this show before mm -hmm. with John Humphreys and, and other pundits, including yourself, that uh, each party would get the number one spot in the state where they were obviously naturally strongest. So yes. you, you wouldn't put um, Pauline number one in, sorry, One Nation, you wouldn't put One Nation at the top of the ballot in South Australia, but you definitely would in Queensland. It'd be crazy not to put One Nation at the top of the Senate ticket, mm. uh, the, the cooperative Senate ticket, um, but then you'd put the second strongest party, number two and, and number three, and you just basically share the nation. So, uh, you know, Ralph Babette has obviously got the Senate ticket um, yep. place in Victoria. You'd, you'd probably put United Australia Party top of the ticket in, in Victoria. And, uh, you know, the Libertarian Party is doing very well in New South Wales. You'd probably put neither One Nation nor UAP at the top of the ballot in New South Wales, but you'd probably put um, the Libertarian Party mm -hmm. on the top of the Senate ballot there. And so you end up getting people from every party mm. into the Senate, um, but more importantly, you end up getting Freedom Party candidates from every state mm -hmm. into the crossbenches in the upper house to really start holding the government to account. And, and when you've got one from every state after two elections, uh, you've got 12 senators yeah. in the upper house and the, no government has a blank check to pass ridiculous legislation like, the like they're trying to do <laughs> and we've spoken about today. Well, that's exactly right. Uh, you would have a permanent line of defence, uh, a bulwark against crazy ideas, crazy left-wing ideas, crazy anti-freedom ideas, mm. and that is not just out of the Labor Party. If it was a Conservative government, obviously this is a line of defence that could stop them from mugging themselves as well. Um, so, uh, you know, I, I think that it's something worth exploring. It's something worth exploring. It, well, it's not something just worth exploring. I think it's worth doing. Uh, I think that we've not got to explore it, we've, we've got to do it. Uh, a joint Senate ticket is, as far as I'm concerned, the only way forward to I fix agree. this problem. Yep. Um, uh, and the Liberal yeah. and National Parties have shown that this is the way you cooperate while keeping your individual party identity and leadership and policies. And then you could go further where you actually, actually have, uh, to take it to its logical conclusion, a joint coalition room, a joint party room, of all of these different parties so that they are working together yep. when they're down in Canberra. They're not going to agree on everything. Yep. Um, no one expects them to. They're Separate and joint party rooms. But uh, there could be some fundamental things that they all agree on, uh, uh, philosophies or values, and uh, that's what they coalesce around. And uh, How did that's that what actually they work when, when you were there? You were obviously in the yes. national party room. Was there a coalition party room as well? There was. So there's two party rooms, or three party rooms rather, there's the Liberal Party room, there's the National Party room, and then there's the Joint uh, Party room, they call it, which is the Joint Coalition or Liberal National Party room. Uh, so three different party rooms, and that's what, in effect, could happen here. You could have you know, party room for One Nation, party room for UAP, uh, if they have enough members, party room for uh, uh, Libertarians, if they have enough members, and uh, all come together once a week or once a fortnight or whatever it might be to have a general meeting about all the legislation that's coming up where they don't have to agree. They don't have to vote and say that everyone's going to be in agreement on this. 
but there might be unity around things that yep. desperately needs to be opposed. And I think that, right, that's the stage that we're in. There's got to be unity about things which are in opposition to freedom, which are op in opposition to national sovereignty that desperately need to be opposed. Yeah. I'd be really interested in hearing what you have to say about this idea. What's the strengths? What's the merits? What's the weaknesses and problems you see in a a coalition of the uh, conservative parties, the right of centre parties, the actual parties who believe in freedom and could form a strong crossbench. Uh, do we have to go for merger? Is merger impossible? Is this the best idea? Um, let's hear what you have to say in the comments beneath this video. Uh, look forward to seeing that there. Uh, George, tell me where everybody can find your contact details, subscribe to your Nation First newsletter, and uh, and uh, again, sign up for Citizen Go. Yeah, look, Nation First, uh, you just go to nationfirst.substack.com. You can sign up uh, as a free or paid member. Free members get uh, a weekly uh, newsletter and sometimes more than that uh, when I feel that something else needs to be uh, pumped out to as many people as possible. Um, there's also uh, Eureka Free Press, as I mentioned. It's currently on a hiatus at the moment. I was hoping that we would come back at the start of this month uh, but there's been a bit of a hiccups with the journalists that I contract, so uh, that will be hopefully out and up and running again later this month. What the purpose of that is, Dave, to provide a regular news source of you know the most important news items of that day or, or that few days aggregated from around yeah, that's good. the internet. Perhaps with some original content, but but more it's about aggregating so that people don't have to go everywhere looking for it. They can just get it in their email box. And the third thing, obviously, which I mentioned today, is this new role as Citizen Go. CitizenGo.org. If you sign up to any one of our campaigns, and I'd encourage people to go there and look for the um, Hands Off Our Free Press uh, uh, campaign, sign up to that. You immediately become part of the Citizen Go family, and you'll receive all the information that you need to receive from there on in. Yeah, brilliant. Thank you very much for your time. Thank you very much, Deb. Well, if you would like to get weekly updates uh, from me, including the episodes of The Church and State Show, I encourage you to head to goodsource.news and sign up there. You can also get directly to my shows and articles on davepello.com. That website will take you, that URL will take you directly to that page on the Good Source website. Now, can I just say, uh, Topher Field's really great channel has been taken off YouTube for an entire seven days, all at once, complete radio silence. If you are still relying on big tech to give you the updates and the news and the opinions that you trust and want to see more of, you're a clown. What are you doing? Sign up to these newsletter updates because it's only the private property we own which is free from interference and censorship. That is websites, not social media channels, not YouTube, none of the others. Head to those websites and sign up. So please head to davepello.com and sign up for the weekly newsletter because I don't even post to YouTube. What a complete waste of time. In fact, the last episode was the first one I did this entire year. Episode number 16 on my website was episode number one on YouTube. I just don't trust them to leave you and me alone. Uh, so other people do things differently. I should probably use it for marketing, but I definitely am not gonna be found there regularly by you. Um, so either I make the decision or they make the decision and pull the rug out from under my feet. I've made the decision to beat them to the punch, so you have to go to my website to catch up with the latest episodes from me. Uh, ADH TV is a fantastic platform fighting for 
freedom of the press and uh, uncensored speech. So subscribe to their email updates and social media updates as well because there's so many channels there with really, really great content. Head to DavePello.com, sign up for the weekly newsletter to make sure you never miss an episode or to become a partner, which is super appreciated. There's great discounts for church and state events uh, for partners. Um, this Friday night, uh, people who are donating $20 a month or more will be getting an exclusive members-only invitation to a private fireside chat right here with George Christensen. That's an hour where we'll be talking and you'll be able to ask George absolutely anything. We'll be doing that live via a private channel like Zoom or Google Meet or, or something else. And that's not going to be recorded, not going to be repeated. It's exclusive for members only as a, a great thank you, as well as lots of uh, conference and event discounts, live audience discounts. Uh, so that's there. Don't forget to head to the Church and State website for all the upcoming events and use the code GS20 if you're watching this on the Good Source or Rumble to get 20% off your conference tickets. Or if you're watching this on ADH, use the discount ADH2020 and you'll get 20% off your general or concession uh, conference prices there. We're looking forward to seeing you in Perth, Adelaide, and Brisbane very soon. Hope to see you there, and if not, see you in the next episode next week. God bless you and Australia. Today, we need a special kind of courage. Not the kind needed in battle, but a kind which makes us stand up for everything that we know is right, everything that is true and honest. We need the kind of courage that can withstand the subtle corruption of the cynics so that we can show the world that we are not afraid of the future.